0: Thanks very much, Tommy. Um, sorry, I'm wired up with uh, two mics, and um, uh, yeah, and I'm going to find it a little difficult. I've got to be careful about talk- about re echoes. But uh, it's great to be here. I really I really do enjoy coming back and talking to the Actual Society of South Africa. Um, I'm sure you love me more now that I'm seven thousand miles away most of the time. Um, but uh, it's, it's very nice to be to be greeted so warmly and get back here. Um, so what I wanted to talk tonight about is this, um, is this project that I'm doing with a number of actuarial colleagues in, um, in, in, um, in, 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 in Australia, to Adam Butt and Gary Kampfka from um, from the A.N.U. and a marketing professor from from Melbourne, and the the question is financial calculators. So let me go through it. I, I would prefer it to actually have questions and comments while we're going. So um, we don't have that much time for questions and comments, but please do feel free to say, we, we, we can't argue about everything, in other words. Um, but where you do feel strongly, please, um, please please, feel free to put up your hand. I don't think we can do it from Cape Town, but so just try and telepathically communicate with your colleagues up here. Um, or send them a, send them a text. <laughs>
1: um,
0: OK. So, the introduction is people need help um, to plan for retirement. And and to do so, they need a calculator. It's much too complicated to do without some calculation. There are decisions that they can control, but there's a whole lot of um, workings in a calculator that they can't control and they really don't need to be informed about, we'll come on to to that. Um, The current advice in calculators, if you look at it, much of it panders, frankly, panders to ignorance. And instinct. The lucky thing is a lot of the instinct is not wrong um, but that's luck rather than good judgment and and, and careful thinking. Um, As I say you don't need to know the details of the calculators um, but the calculators themselves have to have an underlying logic which means coherent utility functions Um, and to have a re- to to elicit what people's actual logical utility is, we need some way of eliciting it, which Rob um, Thompson has been trying to do for a number of years. Um, and I think the way to do it is 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 to actually look at random vectors of cons- consumption over the lifetime, rather than asking specific questions about such things as as risk appetite. So I'm not particularly um, in favour of the risk appetite questions that generally go into the um, uh, um, into financial plans at this point, so that's what we're going to talk about. Let me try and unpack it. Um, okay, there two. Retirement is a new thing, and why it's relevant as a new thing is that we don't have uh, centuries and centuries of of wisdom accumulated as to how how we should plan for retirement. And there are two important social, fight, social changes, social and economic changes that have, um, that have happened. The first is smaller and nuclear families. So pr- prior to um, urbanization, everyone, you lived on the farm and your children looked after you. You worked for as long as you could and your children looked after you because you were on the same, on, on the same property. After urbanization, and as we've got wealthier, families have got smaller. You get nuclear families. And you don't look after your parents in the same way as you used to. This is not just a cultural thing. So it doesn't just happen with with with, with whites. It's it's clear from the research that's happening in Asia. It's happening in um, both East and South Asia. It will happen in Africa, um, uh, and it's happened in South America. So the families are getting so as you get richer, the families get smaller. And people have got to save for retirement so they've got something to do at the end it's new it's never happened before and what's worse over the last 30 years is now well when i started work my the life expectancy of a 65 year old was 14 years it's now 21 um which is why the 10 percent that i was saving for retirement is no, no longer adequate um okay so we've now got in addition to this we've got this dc Movement to DC and responsibility for DC, part of which I think is the movement from DB if we look at it internationally, is because of this um, increase in longevity, which has made it much more difficult to plan. Um, I'm not persuaded at all that um, DC is the final word. We may well end up going back to DB if we can deal with things. But in the meanwhile, we've got to give advice to people who've got lump sums at retirement that they've got to invest in some way. Um, so as I say, this is part of a con- general con- uh, project on this. So the first thing to say, and this partly comes from uh, Robert Merton's article in the Harvard Business Review. Um, Arthur. Can you got a mic? Um, to- Tommy, have you got Is the mic here? Sorry. I've got one in each hand. <laughs> it's uh, it's
2: Arthur else question, Anthony. In your paper you say the reason for the move from DC to from DB to DC is a result of longevity.
1: I think it's completely wrong. I think it's accounting reasons
0: that have changed companies from getting DB to DC because of the risk, because of the accounting practices, certainly not longevity. Well. It, you might be right, um, and certainly accounting has been the proximate cause for the change. But I would, s- I won't come and get it, Tommy, because I'm going to cause the problem. Um, I would suggest that the fact that the costs have gone up by
3: 50% must
0: have played a very significant role in the change, and were the, the underlying cause as much as the accounting causes. Is, is, is would, would be my view. So, okay. If we're going to design calculators, and at this stage I'm meant to pull out my mobile phone, which is a sort of, you know, real technology that's got some really 20, I don't know how many, how many years of work, 20, 30, 50,000 years of work in. Um, If we're going to do a calculator of the same sort, we should distinguish between the controls that people have and the the underlying workings. And there's a whole lot in the underlying workings that is irrelevant. There are three things I think that are pe- that are important for people. How much do I earn, allowing for the fact that my salary goes up over time and I'm going to have to retire at some point? How do I spend? And as I said, that's a better, not a more um, myself thing. And it needs to include important things like children and um, divorce, um, which is clearly those are the two major costs. Um, We potentially face over our lifetimes, Um, and the third, uh, the third one is an investment question. What is not relevant to people is their life expectancy, and their um, and and investment returns, and the distribution of investment markets. That's not relevant. It's about as relevant as the design of a transistor, and how big that is, and whether the thing is manufactured in Taiwan or 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 in, in in China. Those are the three things that we should be focusing people's attention on, because those are the things that can affect them and the decisions that they've got to make. So that would be my that's that's one of, that's my starting point. Um, and if that's the case, then so what I'm going to go, be going into looking now is what's under the hood, what's what's in the engine, what's under you know, what, what what's the what's the hardware. Now, um, now just before we go there, um, quite a lot of research to show the current financial. Um, uh, financial calculators and financial advices, inc- inconsistent, biased and counterproductive. Advisors tell people what they want to hear, they bring to bear their own particular biases, they bring to, 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 to the party the product range that they've got. Um, the research shows horrific levels of financial illiteracy. Most people can't do financial calculations with, um, and this is around the world, um, Compound interest, adjustment for inflation, they just uh, risk. Those are questions that people just have no chance of doing. Now, what's wrong with the current calculators? I wanted to spend a little time on these because um, I think some of us, I mean, actually sometimes turn a blind eye to these things or are not quite aware of the consequences of what we do. So this may be controversial and we can perhaps have some questions on this. The first is Inappropriate Inflation and Investment Assumptions. <coughs> clearly in making investment decisions the equity risk premium is important and anyone who is using a, an equity risk premium above 6% is irresponsible in this case. 2 or 3% is probably securer. Now that is what I find quite strange is that in a lot of the um, written academic research papers on this, very little consideration is given to the size of the equity risk premium and clearly your investment decision between risky and non-risky investments is entirely dependent on the on the extra performance.
3: <coughs> what is also not
0: um, often, I think, adequately appreciated that investment markets demonstrate momentum and mean reversion. OK, the momentum means, and if you've done, looked at Andrew Smith's Chapter 9 of the Actuarial Control Cycle textbook that we, uh, we use. Um, is you can take, he's got a graph of, I think it's interest rates that do this, or, You know, they've got long cycles, and applying a naive model that doesn't include momentum and mean reversion, the model then does this and then sort of vibrates along thereafter. It's just not the same thing at all. The point is that markets are such that if we, if you invest, and I'll show you later, you know, if you invested in 1956, if you retired in 1956 in South Africa or in Australia, in South Africa, similar markets, um, you would have done fine in retirement. If you had retired in 1970, it would have been a disaster, because the markets were down for over 10 years. If you don't know, if your models don't include that, and you don't, you're not aware, you're not giving people advice based on that. You're misleading them completely. So they do need momentum, and mean reversion. Well, it's fairly well established, um, but I would have said that all the mathematical models of interest rates have been reverting, um, but we have the lowest interest rates in 700 years and I'm not at all confident it's going to be revert, so maybe you know, doesn't always happen, but we need to think about that um, and certainly we need to um, encourage people not to panic in situations where um, markets have um, dropped very rapidly. The other question is and certainly, this is a problem in Australia. I don't know whether to the extent it's a problem here. In Australia, the, the, the ASFA, the Australian um, Superannuation Funds Association, um, has a standard for uh, comfortable retirement: $54,000 a year. And if you're not saving enough to get $54,000 a year, you're not going to have a comfortable retirement. The problem is that the average, average, average. Um, uh, annual wage is only about 80,000 a year and many people would be very much better off in retirement if they were saving for 54,000. You can't talk about targets without looking at your current circumstances and my when I look at when I look at many calculators they advise people to save huge amounts of money which would lead to utter poverty now if they were to, to do what they were to expect. You can't expect people to look to, to live like actuaries in retirement okay Got to put yourself into the minds of people who are not earning actuarial salaries. And I don't know what's the average wage now in South Africa. But many people, I don't know, whatever, it doesn't matter what the average is, there will be millions of people who would be extremely well placed if they were retiring on pensions of less than 100,000 grand a year. Because they're living on less than that now. And to ask them to save for a retirement ba- standard based on your perceptions or to ask them to set a target. Is ridiculous. The question is, how am I going to have a level standard of living for the rest of my life? If you come up with that, you do as I suggested here, I suggested here in the, in, when I was on the committee of inquiry, that you could start saving at 60, say 50% of your income for 10 years, and you would enjoy a level standard of living for the rest of your life. Well, I've done that myself actually, I didn't start at 60, I started at 55. My as- financial assets in Australia were virtually zero s- seven years ago, um, but it was right because I had children that I was putting through private schools, which was a bit daft in some respects. Um, but there's enough to save, it's enough to save in, in, um, in the last few years of your life to get a reasonable pension if you, and on a fairly logical basis. Do the modeling and you will find you shouldn't be starting to save very often before 50. You're going to buy a house, and you're going to send your children to private schools. Um, and in South Africa, I think, you know, many people want to do that. Many people who want financial plans want to do that. OK. Misleading risk appetite statements. People that should not be interested and are not interested in whether the market goes down or not. For most people accumulating, the market going down is a wonderful thing. They can buy more. OK. Only people in retirement battle if the market goes down, um, and even and even then you should plan. For, you should obviously plan for it. But the further market goes down, the more it will rise later. I mean, if, you know. I mean, if you believe in the mean version that I believe in. Okay, life expectancy. This is this is I mean, uh, this is the one. I can tell you. Well, let's say. So it is true that if you try to drive from Durban to Johannesburg at an average of 150 kilometres an hour, you have a 10% chance of dying. Perhaps a slightly smaller chance of being put in jail. Is it relevant? If you are giving someone advice on driving from Durban to Johannesburg, should you tell them that? Should you tell them that you've got a 10% chance of of living beyond 93? It's not relevant. You've got a plan for living beyond 93. If they're interested, tell them by all means. I mean, they're, you know, they're sort of tech heads that are interested in life expectancy and probabilities of, of and equity risk premiums and all the rest. By all the means, I mean, I'm not telling you keep people in the dark, but don't tell people that things are irrelevant when there are relevant issues that do, they do need to think about. Then finally, incoherent ruin probabilities, value at risk. So, and this happens frequently in academic and actuarial papers. You say, OK, I've got a target. My target's $54,000 a year income, 200,000 rand a year salary. I have a 75% chance of meeting it. If I invest this way, my chance of meeting it goes up to 80%. Therefore, I should invest in this fashion. Wrong. Bad advice can't be right, well, sorry, it could possibly be right under certain circumstances, but only very unusual circumstances. And it's this value at risk problem that if you using a value at risk, you ignore the utility of the losses. So you're prepared to make bigger losses in order to improve your chances of meeting your target. Not thinking about the cost of those losses. And it was, as, as we know, in most instances, Losses are felt more acutely than gains. So almost always using a target and a probability of sufficiency or a probability of ruin is not right. Put another way, I mean, you know, value risk is wrong. So I insure the you no, know, I was going to fairly young some young folk at sort of I can ensure five or six young people with a mortality rate of a, of sorry, right, um, of, 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 of 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 one in a thousand. So the total chance of, I'll give you a million rand, um, A million rands insurance, just pay me a thousand or whatever, it, uh, rand a month, and I'll give you the million rand of five. Th- I've got a five, chance in a thousand, five chances in a thousand of being, um, less than five in a thousand of being bankrupt. So as far as the FSB is concerned, I'm, I'm solvent. Okay? There's 99.5% sufficiency. But clearly I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. And that's effectively what we're doing when we give people probability, we talk about probabilities of success. Um, now, this is this is interesting stuff I find. So the psychologists have come up with system one and system two. Have, have any of you read um, Daniel Kahneman's um, thinking fast, thinking slow? Okay, yeah, okay. So it's it, it, it's in there. It really is a good read. System one are these it's, it's, the, it's the base of the brain, I can't remember the amygdala or whatever it is. But okay, and that's the reptile bit. It, it has what he calls fast and furious, fu- fast and furious heuristics, fast and fragile heuristics. We respond quickly. We see something coming, we duck. Um, you know, it, 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 it helps us to deal with the sort of physical and the, the rapid. But. We have grown, well some of us have anyway, Certainly, all the actually have, have grown these um, prefrontal lobes, prefrontal cortex, which is system 2, where the system 2 resides. And they've checked this with all the little um, electrodes on the brain, etc. And that tells us stop. Just because that person has made you angry, it's not a good idea to lose your temper. Think about it and do it slowly. And so, what we have learnt in, uh, you know, what, what people learn is to control themselves, it's self-control. You don't go for the um, for the immediate gratification. You wait and you pause and you think about things later. Uh, and if, if the other book that's really nice on this is, is Walter Mischel's book called um, The Marshmallow Test. Some of read that, so that's also the point of that. And this is really, this it is really. It's fascinating stuff. So you put a six-year-old, a marshmallow in front of a six-year-old, and you tell him or her, um, I'm going to go out of the room for 10 minutes. If you haven't eaten it when I come back, you can have two. OK, so some of them have the, take the one immediately. Some of them wait for you to come back and you get two. The people who come back for this, who wait outperform the people who don't wait. At school, at university, in the workforce, they earn more. They get married more often, and they stay married for longer. Okay? It's a huge difference over the lifespan if you've self-control. Self-control is... a contradiction there. <laughs> you get more married more often. more often, but you're married for longer. No, no. You're more likely to get married than you're married for longer. Thank you. Sorry. Um, I think the
1: marshmallow test refers to delayed
0: gratification. Is that right? That's right. So Yes. That's right. So it's, it's it's not it's it's self-control. You control. Now there's a whole lot about it that he's got in there that um, uh, you, you you learn yourself you learn self-control at your mother's knee between the ages of 26, 16 months and 26 months. Um, Depends on how much, uh, how controlling your mother is, and you're, you're worse off if you don't have a, regu- a reliable father because then you don't trust the guy to come back with a second marshmallow. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, he's got a long discussion about Bill Clinton and how self controlled he was, except in certain circumstances. <laughs> <clears throat> and how you can, how, but the important point is you can train yourself. The, the self-control is partly situationally specific but you can train, train yourself, but you'll have to train yourself in certain circumstances. Which means that when people say, I'm not interested in, um, in financial planning, we can train them, we can lead them into positions where they can do financial planning. I find it amazing that the general assumption is that people are not interested in spending an hour in financial planning. Because while I was getting this project on, off, 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 off the ground, I was busy having my having root canal treatment and I sat with my mouth full of plastic for two hours and spent two thousand dollars to save a tooth. And this guy is a living. If you're prepared to do that for a tooth, how many people would not be prepared to spend a couple of hours planning doing the financial planning if properly you know persuaded and 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 and, and supported? And, I mean, I, I put this here as well, you know, I mean, it, it's, it reminds me of the seventh chapter of Romans, you know, with my, with my mind, I serve the law of God, and it's referring to the prefrontal cortex, um, but with, with with my flesh, I serve the law of sin, um, which is the, um, the angry reptile, um, it's very, it's, it's, and you'll find that in all religions, we've, one of the things about religion, and, and the ethical systems you've got is, is one of the things, is, is training and self-control. So what this does I think is provide us with a way of looking at ira- apparent irrationality in the um, in financial planning. So so w- for instance hyperbolic discounting which basically says I've got a very high rate of, of discounting um, particularly for short term, uh, in short term decisions. And it seems to me for short term decisions people very logically say you know should I go out to dinner now or twice in December, and I say, I'll go now. OK, and it's a, sort of, it's like a, it's a heuristic, it's a rule of thumb. It's, I'm not going to weigh up the discounting on something that's short term like that. I'll just make the decision to do it now. I think there's a logic to it if you see it in terms of the system one, system two story. Um, so discount rates are low when people consider probabilities. So if you ask them to think about statistics, then they've got to engage the system too, and they start um, using lower rates of discount, more reasonable rates of discount. Um, And if you ask them to choose a lifetime pattern of consumption, you ask people, do you want a rising or a level or a declining pattern of consumption over the rest of your life, most people will choose a level or a rising, which suggests a low rate of discount which is co- contrary to what the high rate of discount people are when, when asking the wrong question. Um, and then it also explains this prior commitment story. Always amazes me that the majority of people are in favor of forced savings for retirement. Why would you do that? Restriction your, on, your, um, on your freedom of action. And, they, and, and, and we are because the only way we're going to save for retirement is we actually say, I'm going to put the money aside and then I'll spend the rest. If you say, I'll limit my spending and I'll save the rest, you know what you save. Um, so, it, it's, it, the, these are the patterns of the, the algorithms we develop ourselves to manage system one. Um, okay, and then other apparent irrationality in the, in the, in the utility function literature, the um, Kahneman, Kahneman and Tversky, um, prospect theory story, that there's a kink at our current current level of consumption. It seems to me that's entirely logical. If we have a drop in our income, there are costs associated to it, with it that don't occur accu- if I have an increase in my income. If I have an increase in my income, I can buy a new, new car if I want. If I have a drop, a significant drop in my income, I can't put petrol in the car. So it sits useless in the garage. This does I mean, this, this, this happen in real life. Guys, I mean, actuaries wouldn't know about these things, but that's that's what what people talk about. And then I've got to sell the car, which is going to cause a loss. So there are actually losses attached to a decline in income, which I think could adequately explain the the prospect prospect theory kink that we we that losses generally, in a sort of system one fashion, are felt more acutely than than gains are appreciated. Um, okay. I think quite, quite clear, for instance, that the equity, equity um, premium puzzle is that people don't put money into shares um, even though they'll be better off as a consequence. Well, there, there may be issues of risk aversion that are related, but one of the things that costs you money if you're going to invest in, in shares, at least you've got to choose a manager, which is, um, takes a bit of frontal uh, activity, which people don't like doing. Um, and then the final one there is that it has been found that if um, that my reference group is important, so if, if 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 all actuaries have earning lower salaries, the fact that I'm earning a lower salary doesn't mean this isn't so bad. But if I'm earning a lower salary relative to everyone else, um, I feel it worse. Now the economists think that's irrational. I don't think that's at all irrational. I mean. It, that 's um, my, my, my wife, when I first met her, had much of, was working for a missionary organization and had no income and she found it she, she acutely felt the fact that she couldn 't join us for breakfast, um, well, you know which we had after church um, and that 's a common thing if you are worse off than your neighbors, and so that also makes sense so these things can be explained if you put, if we put ourselves into the, into the um, minds of our um of people. OK, so using that now, we get to something, a utility function. Now, I remember when Rob Thompson put up a formula like this at one stage, the, the audience burst out laughing. So um, I'm grateful you, ha- you haven't laughed. <laughs> the, um, okay it's Deferred gratification. You've got to you got to prepare them, Rob. That's the, so okay. So beta, what we've got beta is is a, a net time preference rate. So very often set at between two and four percent. I prefer spending my money now at that rate. Um there's the, the there's a life expectancy probability there. There's this um, so I don't have a this really funny formula for consumption which is. Um, what's it, constant relative risk aversion with CT being the consumption, T being a, uh, an allowance for the family state, which one of the academics has beautifully worked out and planned the probability of divorce and widowhood and all the rest. And that's relevant because, you know, two can't live as cheaply as one, but pretty, the ratio is about 0.7 or whatever it is. But um, so if you've got running two households getting much less than one, um, so um, then they've made, a, I think it's called a Cobb-Douglas function with consumption and, and uh, le- leisure. So L to the alpha represents the utility of the hours of leisure. And there's a restra- uh, um, constraint that I haven't shown, clearly, that you've only got 24 hours in the day, and the more you work, um, if you've got an, an hourly rate for, for salaries, you can work out. You, you earn more if you, if you have more leisure. Um, Okay, and then gamma is the risk coefficient of risk aversion, and then there's an, it, the quest here at the end. Of it. So that's what it looks like. Um, as I get, you don't show that to people. You can show it to actuaries, and they might not laugh, but pe- if people see that, they should laugh, and, and sh- um, it, it can't work. So does this, can we, you know, this is this is how we should use it. Now, you can ask this, the, 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 the literature is generally um, well. Some people have tried to determine how th- those the parameters. Okay, so Rob and Sean and various other folk um, have have done some work on asking people, particularly what their co- questions that allow them to measure that coefficient of risk aversion, the gamma and the um, um, I don't know. Have you tried the, tried the beta, Rob, Sean, no, just, gamma. just the gammas. But you can, ask, you can ask all the separate questions and ask them and try and then construct a utility function as a consequence of that. The, um, the, the economists approach things from a different point of view. They look at um, actual behavior um, and then and get large data sets and so try and infer from the actual behavior what the um, revealed preferences of the individuals are. And they get fits, significant fits. Um, but the Hubner paper, which is done with um, Olivia Mitchell from from Wharton, um, and which is amazing—I mean, the, um, compl- com- amazingly complex—and sort of explains why s- some people in the U.S. retire at 55 and take their full pension, and others go on to 70. And it's very interesting. Um, but they explain 14% of the um, of, 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 of 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 the the 14%. So. 86% of the, of people's decisions are not explained, um, so either that 86% percent, percent are irrational, or they are idiosyncratic preferences, um, or people are misinformed, you know, sorry that's the irrational point of view, so either irrational or idiosyncratic, so one needs, it, it, it's not very helpful. Now what I'm effectively suggesting is that, um, let's try and how can, well, the question is, how can we most efficiently elicit people's actual preferences? And the way I'm thinking, and I'd really appreciate comments on this, is you show them something like this. So you, um, sorry, okay, see people straining forward. So, if I may, um, this is for this is structured at four thousand dollars a year, uh, four thousand dollars a month, I think it was. Um, Retired in 1970, and if you had taken $4,000 a month, and these are four different ways, different algorithms for spending your money over time, depending on investment returns, this is what you would have ended up as you moved from 65 to 100. If you'd taken a, um, a life annuity, linked, inflation-linked life annuity, you would have got about $3,000 a month. Um, so the this line here is if you take you take the uh, the rule that you take as you say I'm going to take four thousand dollars a month regardless mm. um, you would have run out at 77 okay nothing left so clearly that's not a good idea any utility function will show you that's a bad plan um, okay so th- then there's a dotted red and there's a, um, a stepped blue those both are rules I'm sorry. Whether it's me or that. Okay, those are are taking a fixed a a proportion of your um, of your portfolio that is based on your remaining life expectancy. Um, And so, as the investment, as as the market has declined, so your the amount that you can draw declines. So that's that's one of the standard rules. I've um, the dotted red is the Is following the market value. Um, The blue one is one of my is is a sort of smoothing function that I've tried to develop, Um, and all this I'm afraid shows that my smoothing function is not particularly effective. Um, It just does not cope with as what happened in the 70s um, a collapse in equity markets worldwide, and that's and if you look at the graphs of equity markets, they don't show that quite as steep, but that's because. The, there was high inflation at the same time, so the, the actual impact. So you would have dropped, your income would have dropped from 4000 to below 2000 which is a huge drop. Real, real income, yes. So that's, um, well, if in 1956 you would have been um, much better off, I mean, uh, in the first 15 years, at sort of 85 there would have been a bit of a dip, which is the 70s failure, the same... Um, Fall of the nineteen seventies. So, okay. It seems to me it, it may be possible, and this is what we're going to try and do, is to show people a couple of graphs like this and say, okay, this is these are you've got a fifty percent chance of that. Well, you've got a chance of this, a chance of that. Where would you? Are you happy to invest all your money in equities, or would you like to have the guaranteed three thousand a month from the, from the annuity, or some clearly some um, Somewhere in between, and from that generate a um, a utility function that is coherent and reasonable. Now I'm running pretty close. No, I, I think I'll go through the last bits. Um, so let me just talk a little bit about plausible values of the um, of the elements of the utility function. So the discount rate, the beta, and okay. What's yours? Um, if you have one, um, <laughs> it seems to me that one of the things is that the my, that the utility find that the that the time for preference will partly depend on actual earnings. So um, I'm not. I don't have. I, don't, I have difficulty in thinking of myself of discounting the future at two percent or four percent or whatnot. I do think in terms of a flat lifetime expenditure, more or less, um, and we can go into the question of probably it does seem as you're likely to want to spend more money in your first years of retirement and you probably should keep something for your final years of retirement when you need a full-time care. So there's a bit of a U-shape in your expenditure in retirement, um, but flat seems to be right. And if it's flat, frankly, you can take out investment returns and the beta, and get a um, um, just ignore the buff. I think any. I, I, I have my sense is that it's just too. It's adding complications, and that ignoring investment returns and the time discount rate is 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 a sensible fashion. Is is not 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 wrong. Um, and then not if you put your,
4: not if you put your income at a level well within your resources.
0: Oh yes. no that's absolutely right so one of the things about this is clearly that um, in South Africa 50% of people are Rob sorry do you want to comment I mean a large proportion of people are never going to save anything for retirement meaningful for retirement they're not they don't need to plan the government is going to have to look after them a lot of people at the top end are not going to spend their income; they're going to live, spend their capital. They're going to live off their income. It's only it's the middle class in the middle that accumulating wealth in pension funds or superannuation funds in, in their working life and all to spend in retirement, for which this is relevant, um, which is not you, So, but you are advising people like that, right? Sorry, I've seen an argument um, that uh, the only reason you are a uh, discount, factor uh, is because you may die. And if you're allowing for a request in anyway, doesn't seem to to be in the need for that. I don't know that I go along with the argument, because I think you still like to have things no argument tomorrow, whether you're dead or alive tomorrow. Um, so it's, it's, it's only a partial explanation, but certainly no. if you the, the in yeah. the decision process, you, know, you need to make an adjustment to your to your uh, this kind of factor to the to the so The same so way. I, th- I think, well come on to the, well I can, you see you've raised it, there's this probability of survival that, that is there. Um, if you put a probability of survival in, you end up saving less for the future because you're going to be dead, possibly. Um, I think that's, that, that doesn't persuade me at all. If you're going to use a utility function, you're going to your neoties. And so, under those circumstances, I think you give the same weight. I give the same weight to me now as Anthony at ninety. And this is a sort of interesting, uh, sort of almost way of looking at it. And I think this is probably true. You know, if I, you know, that the story of, you might have heard, if if they show pictures of themselves morphed thirty years into the future, people save more. Um, so if you morph the face, so you and then you see yourself in the way you have a dialogue with yourself 30 years, your future self, you then, uh, you, you, you then logically make provision for that future self. And I, I tend to think that that's actually quite logical, that we should be making the same provision for our future selves as we do for ourselves now. And, um, but that's, that's come to the same conclusion, that a level expenditure through life is, 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 is what people require. And certainly when pl- faced with that question, People, as I say, do choose the increasing or the level or increasing. Um, okay, 5T is the family structure. Now clearly I think f- children need to come into it and I don't see, no, I mean, I did design a, a, a little Excel calculator that I've been sort of tried on a few people and the comment was, oh, people are not going to answer questions about children. And I, you know, I just think that's wrong. Children are really important for your, for your spending. Um, you know, they consume a huge proportion of your of your income, and as I say, education, private schools, universities, and whatnot, do need to be planned for, and particularly as many women do or mothers do take time off work that even adds to the cost of um, of having children, especially if you and as you should take into account the fact that. If you take ten years out to have children, or however many years you take to have children, your future earning capacity is reduced as a consequence. Um, you know, however good the, um, the affirmative action programs are, it's not possible to make up for ten years of lost human capital investment or whatever, or whatever, whatever it has been there. So, children need to be put in. Does divorce need to be put in? I ask a question. So. When you do the financial plan, would you put in a probability of divorce? If you do, you save more because if you're divorced, you then have, need more money to maintain the same standard of living. You could allow people to dial it up and dial it down. So say, no, I'm less likely than the average to get divorced, and so sort of the. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's yeah. That that comes to the question. My view is you probably do want to have it in as an illustration because I think it would be quite helpful for marital relationships to show people what the cost of divorce would be. <laughs> and you need to know it earlier rather than later. You know, if you knew that it was going to With divorce, it's, I need to save 30%. Without divorce, I can save 15 um, That's That should be an incentive to, or at least pay for, pay for the counselling that's necessary. Um, okay. I leisure. I'm not sure whether to try and um, elicit it. Uh, I think the the question to just ask directly when do you want to retire, and then allow people to adjust the retirement date might well be the easiest way of doing that. But I think we need to try. Uh, what I would like to do is to do a little bit of trying to see what values of the of leisure are there to see if it makes sense to people. Um, but it's a difficult one to actually certainly that Cobb Douglas function is really difficult to get into your head. What it basically means is that, you know, a 10% increase in consumption is is equal to a 10% reduction in leisure, or vice versa. Um, you know, is that right? Um, I don't know. Very, very difficult to, to, to determine. And then you've got to put in, to get a retirement date, you've got to put in an idea that um, there's a certain minimum number of hours you could work a week or something, and you would... Would have people de- declining number of hours as they get older, um, and and consumption becomes more certain. Um, okay, I've dealt with. So the the gamma. This constant relative risk aversion formula, um, I don't. Uh, it's. <laughs> I have difficulty getting my head around it. So I was going to say I don't like it. I don't really fully understand it, particularly as it pro- produces negative utilities, which are then. The, 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 the less negative the utility is, the more likely you'd to like something. It's, it's, a bit, it's a bit complex. And I think if you put in, as I suggest, a, a penalty on losses so that you get that kink that we were talking about in the, 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 in the prospect theory kink, I think you get a situation where um, you are sufficiently averse to losses to justify most people's behavior, which could then could produce a fairly easy... Um, A much simpler um, utility function. So I would ask those questions, put them in, put in some good investments, and um, that's it. Um, And then see if the recommendations of how long you're going to work, how much I'm going to spend now, whether I'm actually going to have three children and going to take three years off, and whatever else you want to spend, and how I'm going to invest, the extent to which I'm going to invest um, in something quite um, risk averse when I get to retirement, the extent to which I'm going to use a life annuity um, may come out, maybe you know, may come up of the calculator. So there are my ideas on this one. I'm interested in further comments and questions. And I can hear you from Cape Town, so that would also be possible. Um, have you got a yeah? Hi, uh, question from Kenta? Yes, please. Can you hear me? I can. Okay. Hi, it's uh, from UCT. Um, so, I, um, I find this all very interesting. I, I, I'm, also very, I'm
3: very interested in retirement now because I think I've got enough time to maybe figure it out by the time I should go Time is running out. Um, so, I've got a couple of comments, and then, like, a, minor comments and uh, one of more boring one for me. Uh, when you see such a tax is not not relevant because it's under the hood. Um, in my experience, the question, or the question my ask, I speak to people who are under my age who are not not in the financial services factories, uh, is not necessarily whether to save, but whether to speak, how to save. So, so a lot of them are all planning to save because they have this income record, but they don't consider they often don't consider the, the trade-off between saving through retirement people or saving to investing in property or investing in. So they've got the savings amount, but they don't actually quite visualize how important their tax saving is. And they are saving for that long term. They are saving, you know, this is an investment from an old age, but they don't actually visualize it. So I think actually talking in that context might widen that that argument for the wealthier uh, part. I mean, I think a lot of people at the lower income and um, work on that problem. Um, Can I just run through them, Anthony, and then uh, then you you answer otherwise? Sure. Okay. the other one was just a minor one, which is like, I really want to see those model of assumptions for at least I think saving at 50, because that would be great. Um, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I, I think that there's, there's something there, but I, I need to know what it is. Uh, the other interesting one I, I thought was very interesting is uh, that if your income you falls below your reference group, that's a problem, because you can't participate in your reference group at 50, so I think that's a very, very point. But I think the question to ask there is, what is the reference group for pensioners? It doesn't change because if your reference group um, continues to be the guys that were working and, and, and driving a course or whatever you were doing uh, before you retired, then that's a problem. But if your uh, reference group is retiring at the same time as you, uh, the same focus on the whole, then that might not be a problem because you all kind of gardening and reading together, well. so it would be fine. Uh, <laughs> so, so that's But then that's I mean, my, my main one is is, um, is about adaptability. So, and risk. Preferences is not quite the same as being able to adapt to loss and income because the one is prospective, so trying to say to people, what would you do? How much can you tolerate in terms of loss and income? i, I but this is this completely unsubstantiated theory, but I think we're really bad at, at, at predicting how, how we can adjust to a loss and income. I think we ask somebody, can adjust to 30 or 40% of the income? They'll say no but actually they are much more legal than they think. So this is the thing ahead of time. Which worries me because I think people are going to be very serious and not tolerant of any government. Account. Whereas somehow people all over the world are not saving enough, we all know they're not saving enough a day. But 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 the level of, of, of pensioner, um, I don't know, depression, poverty, um, you know, completely running out of money is not quite as high as you would expect. everybody was uh, was was really Unable to cope with the drop of income that we are 50 So there's something there that I think I think we're not going to at People can adapt, and people who go through an adverse event recover from an event and actually do adapt. And I, there is some research on that that shows that people who somehow you know, any anything adverse after a few years, are kind of return to the levels of well-being that they were before because they they, they adjust and they breathe. Which that for that, that we get more. Then you can set up more reasonable expectations for retirement by saying, actually, people are left to a 75% income, 60% so quite successfully. And expectations will be better at determining. If you, have good, if you have reasonable expectations, you're much better at being happy with that level of income.
0: That's another feedback loop. Okay, that's all my stuff. Thank, thank you. I'm uh, not sure I got them all and got them all in the right order. But I think, okay, so in question of tax, clearly, it d- doesn't seem to me that people need to know where the Income Tax Act, what the Income Tax Act, and in, in, you're lucky in, in Australia we have two income tax acts both both of well over a thousand pages um, and with com- com- competing in alternative definitions of various terms throughout um, but I think the point is the point I want to make is that, that that what your are should spit out is to say this is the most efi- effective way of savings tax-wise, so you should put the money into retirement annuity or you shouldn't or, or whatever. In terms of saving, the, the models in terms of saving later, I do assume that you're going to buy your house first and depends on how much money you're going to put in the house. But when you take the, when you take, when you take the house and the children, very few people actually have spare cash before they're 14. Um, and so that's really sort of what I was arguing, that 40 is probably about the time where you could start thinking of saving seriously for retirement. And certainly if you're buying for the house, depending on what your belief, interest rate and equity prices are concerned, um, compound interest works against you on the house, just as it works for you in investment returns. Um, the reference group, um, yes, it, it, it difficult, you think you're right, it changes as you retire. And um, seeing I'm spending this time with my parents, who are 87 and 98, respectively, um, as you get older, your reference group changes because a large number of your friends die. Um, so you've got a few different group that you're dealing with now that you dealt with 15 years ago. Um, I think that your family is important. Um, and I think the other thing that is, the other point that I would like to make is that, and one of the reasons why I do define benefit actually makes some sense, is that every if everyone in the country is poorer? Then you then that's the reference group. It's easier to so some sort of situation of sharing this across generations does make some sense. So um, that's that one. And then um, our terms are really bad at predicting. And the economists call it hedonic adjustment. Um, that uh, hedonic relating to pleasure. That yes, absolutely, people do cope fairly well sorry if they haven't declined in income it's painful but they recover quite well and that's true it's just rather difficult to give advice in that way <laughs> you know don't worry you'll, you'll get over it um. <laughs> i think it would help it would help
3: somewhat uh, especially when i think about it in terms of setting up an expectation of a target i think a lot of our uh, Other people are now set on a target of 80 to 100% because that's a number that they've seen everywhere. And therefore, if they don't achieve 80 to 100%, they will be miserable, not necessarily because they're not coping, but because they were told that they'll be miserable because there was an the expectation. So yeah. setting up an expectation which says anything below 80, between 60 and 80, yes, you have to cut down
0: expenses for the survival between 40 and 60 you might have to move to a smaller house and change whatever but it's you know it's only the, the, you know 40 that it is really desperate having that range rather than a single number is i think would allow people to cope with. yeah I, I think that's probably right and that probably to make sure people give the range is probably something a regulator should do questions here
5: yeah i'd like to yes sir. i'd like oh. to take a shot at shooting you now okay probably going to end up in love on the floor but anyway.
0: Idea. Can't see that.
5: Okay. Um, the experience in DB funds has shown that if you're in the DB fund for a very long time, you're going to come out at the end with something that's going to be close to a high proportion of your final pay. If you're in a DB fund, you joined it only at the age of fifty, and the for example Put in T V DB set up his own. If you only started at 50 in this DB fund of this kind and of employer, still has one, you don't end up with a very high proportion of, of your final salary, and you do not have enough retirement income. So your your example of yourself wasn't a good example of accumulating wealth for retirement purposes from 50, 55 odd. What I, would, what I would agree is you can supplement your saving from those ages enormously. We have already discharged all those other <coughs> responsibilities in life. But you certainly need to start very early. Whether you're an actuary or you're a plumber. Maybe the plumber actually can start
0: later. <laughs> um, how, sorry, do the modeling. I have and with a house and the children you don't you you cash constrained if you put money into a super fund a pension fund well maybe I'm arguing heuristically.
5: I'm looking at the experience of people who spend a long time in D V funds and they came out on the positive side of of an adequate time and I'm compared with the guy who's tried to to achieve this having spent all his his uh, accumulated retirement savings on motor cars and fridges and other things and now at 50 or 55 is now going to say i'm joining this new employer and now i'm going to come out one day with a decent
0: retirement
5: income not going
0: to happen no 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 absolutely right i mean you can't you can't put 10 percent away for, for 15 years and hope to, to retire adequately i'm talking about 40 and 50 percent of your income and and the point is that the 40 and 50 percent. i mean you're your house is, or well, city in Australia, where your house is 10 times your annual income, 25% of your income, your, you know, 25% of your entire lifetime is going in house costs. And that's not a, that's even, even that's ignoring interest. Um, and, and then school fees can be um, yeah, an, an, another, another 20%. So your lifetime, your, 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 half your income is going off somewhere else beforehand. So an 80% replacement ratio doesn't make sense.
5: Yeah, if you're talking that kind of high accumulation rate. But, well I'll get one step further than, than you going. I'm saying, in fact, once you're in retirement, you continue to save. Oh, well, then, then, when you hit this 1970 situation, you retired in 56, you don't necessarily come in all the way down. Yeah, well, that's, that's,
0: you know, been cautious in various ways, yeah. Another question from Cape Town. I'm good and I like alternating. Okay. Um,
1: thanks Anthony, Andrew Cartwright here. I'm um, very glad you, you were able to to fit in with your schedule. So from my perspective I'm just about to time and uh been through all of this and obviously as you say we're not quite in the same world as everyone else. I do agree with you that people's ability to save in the last few years of retirement you know, in life is great. Just be careful though. Just as you can have these kind of derailers, a person which could suddenly find themselves retrenched at the age of 50. And so those years they planned after their kids leave home to do all their saving uh, just, just disappear. And no one will take this insurable uh, risk. So I think you, you've got to be careful of pushing people into, into late saving. Um, I think also people are very adaptable. And most of us need to think in terms of retirement that, you know, I can get by with half of my income. Or with half of the money on targeting, if that happens, I'm not going to watch DSTV. Uh, I'm going to go to the library. I'm going to go and borrow books. I'm going to do all these things. We've just got to adjust our lives. So in my case, I'm going to live in India uh, because it's a lot cheaper to live in India than it is in South Africa. So, and what you can't do is say I'm going to go and live in Australia because that's like going to cost you three times as much as South Africa. So I think you know you've got these choices, and those you can't build into a model. So I think. We've just got to be careful. It's a very complex process, and that's why maybe we're never going
5: to come up with a formula that really works. Because there are so many complex factors that come into it. In the end, you somehow are going to say, Well, what happens if this country goes to the wall? What am I going to do? You say, Well, all my colleagues will
1: also go to the wall. That'll make me feel a little bit happier. <laughs> 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 but I think these
0: are real concerns. Well, uh, look, you're, you're right, Andrew. I mean. F- one I'm not advocating saving the last minute. I'm just saying that if you do the modelling, you may well find out you come up with some counterintuitive results. And a lot of the modelling that is done is based on assumptions of targets of 65 or 80 percent, which is utterly unrealistic and unhelpful if you don't take into account children and household purchases. Um, in terms of you know, yes, we've got to be a lot. Be, I mean, the the. The calculator will never deal with everything, and certainly people's behavior will will differ across the board. But what I'm really saying is that the current calculators don't hold together logically at all. Uh, There's no, they they deal with a whole lot of things like, as I say, life expectancy and investment models, which are not relevant. They set targets which are are illogical in the sense they make you Either spend too little or too much now. Um, they 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 look at increasing risk when you should be reducing risk um, because of going for the you know inappropriate um, insolvency model. So I'm not looking to. I do not think that this is going to is going to be the final answer. I'm just saying that what we've got out there is is is, is really unhelpful and, and and misleading, and we need to do something about it. Can i ask another question. Um, Well, let's have it here, so we'll come back here. It's a very
1: unactuarial question, but I've been exercising my mind about some of these topics. Underpinning all of this is an assumption of rationality. Um, And I read an article that spoke about smoking warnings on cigarettes. So if I look at Australia, I think they put a terrible nasty picture of lungs and brains and what smoking does to the body. And all of those appear on all of the packs of cigarettes, which are in the hands. 10% of my colleagues who stand outside Huffington's boat. And if, if those people don't respond to warnings as profound as something about debt, why do we think that they will be rational when they're dealt, dealt with something that is as ephemeral as, as income and retirement?
0: Well, I mean, we know people are irrational, act, act irrationally, and that's one of the reasons why we've got to have the best psychology that we can, ha- our best understanding of psychology to help people overcome the sort of cravings and system one behavior. I mean, if you compare smoking now with smoking 40 years ago, it's been a huge improvement and and, and our generation and our parents' generation are much better off as a consequence of proper training and quite a lot of work to stop people from smoking. If we could have the same progress on financial planning over the next 40 years, it would be a huge, huge success for the industry. Um, sorry, um,
4: Professor, I, I think you might have got your modeling a little bit wrong because you made three conflicting statements. You said, first of all, that you, need, you can start saving as late as 50. The equity risk premium is 2 or 3, and your parents are hitting 500. So uh, I'm not sure how <laughs> <I'm, I'm, laughs> that's going to work out for you. And, um, <laughs> the, the comment I wanted to make is, Two things. The one is, I'm not sure how the model takes account of the state of health of the pensioner. Because if I take my grand as an example, she lived a very active life, you know, with going out for lunch and driving around in her car till 90. But at the moment, all she does is wakes up, gets wheeled to the lounge, has a cup of tea, and gets wheeled back to bed. So the only cost she has is the person who's wheeling in the wheelchair. But she doesn't eat out, she doesn't pay petrol for her car. So, you know, in other words, that's very difficult to model because at the point that you become frail, potentially your income can triple and, you, and you're still going to be fine because the only cost you have is, is frail care and every other cost falls away. So, you know, I'm saying that they are, are balance gaps. It's not as easy... And I suppose I'm echoing what Andrew says. There is a lot of, you know, in other words, it's almost like a heat-seeking missile. You've got to do this every single year, and and adjust everything. And, and the other fact, the other thing I wanted to make is, if you're doing it on this basis, your probabilities of of death and that have to be quite specific to the person and not average. Because you don't get the benefit of averages. So if, if someone is has cancer, you know. Can't actually say your chances of moving to
0: 93 are. Okay, see. Yeah, oh, sorry. Under that, with, without your hair, it's Andrew as well, isn't it? Um, the uh, <laughs> sorry. The solution to my quandary is the retirement age, which sort of gets closer to 70 rather than 60. Um, the um, but but the yes. One of the things I've not, not mentioned here is that we know very little about what people's requirements are as they get older. It's almost all anecdotal. Um, so we I, well I do this research and I read what I can about what's happening. Um, there's g- definitely a drop off in re- as people get older they spend less money because they just run out of steam in various ways. Um, there's definitely a bit of a an upswing at the end of life so my mother now has a full-time carer, so it's very much more expensive um, to be wheeled in and out than, than, than it was five years ago before she had that. Um, the um, and but you've got to be and you've got to be specific in terms of country. I mean, Australia's got some really good subsidies for people, so we find for even the for, for certainly this bottom 60% of the um, of the population from the data that we're looking at at the moment, um, people are actually saving as they get into into frail care because they're allowed to maintain some of their pension and they can't spend it because it's only cakes they can spend. So mortality rates are specific to people. I'm not sure that makes much of a difference though because I think you've got a plan for, everyone's got a plan for 100 Um, and there would be an argument, I mean make the argument for um, underwriting annuities and, and impaired life annuities for people, I mean there's a lot for that. But it comes back to, I mean, I think that, that earlier question is there's, there's a huge amount of and things will be different for different people. And I'm not suggesting that this plan is sort of set up and the calculator is done once and never changed thereafter. It's certainly is going to be changed as you go along and your preferences will change. All I'm saying is that currently we give them nothing. What we, And very often what we give them is actually not only, I mean, it's, not, it's misleading, not just not helpful. So this, this, this gets you somewhere along the line. And it will raise questions like, well, should I insure myself for frail care? Or maybe I should have a declining income. I'm going to put half my retirement lump sum and spend it over the next 10 years, because I'm not going to be able to travel after that. Why not? But you know, at the moment, we, we, those questions are not, we, we, don't, we don't see what, what's happening. Sorry, Tommy, are we running out of time? I think we can have one more case question from Cape Town and one from here. Okay. One more from Cape Town? Two from here? Sorry, yeah? No, there's nothing in Cape Town. Nothing in Cape Town. So, well, Nick, so roughly you've asked one. That.
2: Hello. Not Okay. That's on. Oh, there we go. Yeah. When I see that many parameters, I, I sort of uh, have, have to think to myself that um, the objective is is, is, is going to be very difficult to fulfil, um, especially when I think of Europe and America right now, where. Whatever asset model you use and whatever utility function you paste up against it, what people collectively are trying to do in the current retiring generation is impossible. And not by a small degree, but by a long degree. The amount that they've collectively saved over their lives is hopelessly inadequate relative to the the, uh, amount of money they want to spend on themselves, um, on medicine, on belonging life, on on their income levels, you know, it's just a there's just a, a fundamental disconnect. And that and something will undo that. And the thing that can undo it could be, you know, there are thousands of alternatives. It could be changes in the capital to labour ratio and the way in which um, companies are able to pay dividends because of it. They, 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 any number of any any number of things which are gonna undermine this. And to to you know, Andrew Cartwright's point, you the the adjustments are gonna to have to be many, uh, long part-time work, longer part-time work after retirement, all these things. I just look at them, how difficult it is to assess the problem in the aggregate. Using we've got all these macroeconomic time series and you can just see we aren't gonna grow the world's economy at four or five percent a year as would be required if you wanted to have reasonable tax rates to fund or tax rates or, or rates of difference to fund uh, retirement. Uh, I guess what, what, what I'm getting at is the the, the the real world might just throw so many uh, spanners in the works of the model and uh, change so many of the assumptions in ways that are very difficult to foresee that I wonder whether any kind of exercise that uh, involves trying to um, assess uh, risk aversion and trying to assess discount rates on... Uh, in, and income preferences over time, isn't this
0: like very fundamentally strain. Yeah, I, yeah I, think, I think two responses to that, yeah. um, there's a paper by um, John Woodford Wood, Woodward and Christoph Heigermann in the Actuarial Journal of Actuarial Practice, Volume 2, which, I, which is on our website, which they're from the ILO and they've shown how the changes in Europe, what Europe is doing to change the cost of pensions and how in fact across the European continent they have reduced costs to something that's reasonable. Um, and we hope that the hedonic adjustment will be such that um, people won't be too unhappy. Um, but the, and, and, and that goes to one of the things is those changes have had to be, um, have been done in a hurry. They haven't thought about the things adequately. So the ILO's problem is that uh, there have been uh, gaps. There are people that have been punished more than others. So that, the argument there is to say that we need to think more about this and to get these things in our heads right so that when we do have to change, we know how to, we know how to best spread the, the costs. Um, so I think that, uh, yeah, that, that's my answer to this. Is that doesn't say we shouldn't be trying. It says we've got to work even harder. To get this to get to get our understanding right sorry tommy i don't we, we had it there was a the question yeah.
5: thank you very much for a very interesting and thought-provoking speech this was just this was much more of a comment really and maybe throw the cat amongst the pigeons um, you've proposed one alternative of saving half your income from 50 onwards another real one is actually not to retire at all and not to actually raise an expectation of retirement but rather to slow down our work, which actually is far better for our health to have purpose and to be active. And 20 years ago, I took Alexander took technique lessons. And my teacher then said to me, you know, Alexander teachers never retire. It's, we are human doings. So we are far better when we're doing than just being. And recently I bumped into her at 86 and she's not doing five lessons in a row, but she's still working at 86, mentally alert, physically active, and only doing one at a time and maybe a couple a week. but
0: active yeah sorry I've got to pull my shoulders back for the Alexander um, the um, look I think that, that's true sorry there was one comment about we're going to we're going to be too sick to work to 65 or whatever it is anyway and clearly that there's a major major reason to increase your, your disability income through to those older ages and find ways of enabling us to ensure people so that they can make those decisions if and and the leisure depending on this leisure coefficient many people won't want to retire it, it needs to be said, however, that's, that's intellectually that's limited to the intellectually um, s- those who, the intellectuals. A lot of people who don't think work with their, who don't work with their minds want to retire. They're physically unable to do so. So yes, I mean that's another sense, sort of source of heterogeneity. I'm not saying there's one answer at all. I'm just saying let's be logical about it and let's try and be reasonable and try and understand things better. So thank you very much. I think, Tommy.